I've often said that the story of the COVID response is going to be a story of heroes we never thought would be heroes. Um, independent data analysts was a big one for me when I was beginning my work fighting against what the party was doing. Uh, it was data I needed. And it came about. And lo and behold, one day I looked and a friend of mine from back in the D.C. days had become one of those heroes. And his data analysis helped stop the madness. He's the author of a new book called Gone Viral. Justin Hart joins us exclusively on The Todd Herman Show. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. Huge thank you to my friends at Soda Weight Loss, helping a dear family member on that journey. She's going on week five. I'll see her for dinner coming up. There's been a glow in her eyes. My friend Justin Hart joins us now on the Todd Herman Show. He's a father of many. Uh, and a good man, and now an author of an upcoming book. Well, it's about to be released, Gone Viral, How COVID Drove the World Insane. My brother, welcome back to the program. Oh, my good friend, Todd, it is so good to be with you today. It has been a crazy ride and never thought I'd be in this place. Certainly don't consider myself necessarily a, a hero in all these parts, but uh, these uh, when, when the journey presents itself and you take it, uh, there are some extremely great rewards, and it's so great to connect with you again. Well, thank you so much. And uh, I think that people do things heroic. And, and the people who say they're not heroes, uh, they're the ones I think the Father God uses um, so often. Uh, because you were given a great set of skills, uh, analytical skills and data skills. And I want to talk about that. But I got to dedicate a special hit to you. I just saw this today, Justin, this is today. Listen to this. This is a school administrator in Philadelphia where they're bringing kids back, but with their favorite, the, your favorite thing on their faces, woke masks. This is, this clip is new, new today. The pandemic has had a lingering effect on us. It may continue to present some challenges. Today marks an opportunity to steer our students toward a brand new beginning. <laughs> a brand new beginning with woke masks oh, on their faces. Folks who haven't heard you before, can you briefly retell the story of a marketing guru? Um, <laughs> very few people I would call a guru, but you qualify. Data analyst, uh, you helped people with sales and marketing funnels. Will you briefly retell the story of how you got called into this COVID war? Yeah, you know, it was crazy. Uh, coming into 2020, I was chief marketing officer of a telecom company in LA. And I decided my family, I was commuting up for San Diego. It was too much. So I went, I went to consulting and I had some, some good clients uh, come around 2020 in, in the first quarter there, I had three clients. And by the time that the first COVID uh, restrictions and mandates were put on us, those clients were all dead. The first one was uh, a, a golf excursions for baby boomers and then a high-end vacation club for families, and then parents wanting to send their kids to college. Those were my three best clients, and they were all dead by the time that March came around. 
And I had some time on my hands. I wasn't tied to an, ex- uh, yeah, as you can imagine, right? And I wasn't tied to an executive brand. I think this would have been a very different story if I was a part of an executive team where I have to kind of keep it buttoned up. But I was in such a position where I could stick my neck out. And I remember thinking to myself early in March, when I first published my first articles on Medium and then went on to other things and said, you know what? The numbers they're putting out here are all wrong. I've done the math. I don't necessarily insert myself into other people's domains, but they sure seem to have no problem inserting themselves into my domain, my kids' education, my church, my business. And so I felt a little bit of motivation to push back. And when I checked the math and it's wrong, I go, my goodness, this is just awful. And I remember thinking up at late, late at night one time, I said, what if I'm wrong? What if this is the apocalypse and, and I'm really you know, underplaying this all together? And that very night, uh, John Ioannidis, who is a Stanford professor, the most cited living scientist today, he came out with an article that felt exactly like I did. He says, this is a once-in-a-lifetime, not pandemic, but a once-in-a-lifetime data disaster. And that's what it turned out to be. We made our decisions on terrible disasters, and it propelled me into a role that the MIT <laughs> students dubbed me the head of the anti-mass brigade, right? And so these are these are things that I'm uh, I, I wear as badges of honor because uh, I will absolutely lay down on the 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 background of the data that we have, and, and my my background basically was able to sort of produce both charts in a in a very simplistic way and convey that to people, but also kind of corral people, activists, analysts, doctors, physicians towards this cause, and that's. That's kind of what brought us through these last two years. Oh, and there's so much to your story, and I'm sure that this is covered in the book. It's Gone Viral um, is the name of the book. There is a link. It's first things up in the show sheet. So go to the thetodhermanshow.substack.com or just go to the thetodhermanshow.com, sign up for our email list, and you'll get that uh, link over to Justin's book. So I wanted to ask you, in relation to that, the, the, the storm of data, and the data that you were seeing that was wrong. I came at this from a different perspective because I don't have that skill set. I can look at the data you provide. I can read it. I can read a P&L. I can do those things. I can consume data, but I can't produce it like you do. And for me, Justin, I was just looking at this as a communicator and and saying, you're, you guys are doing an awfully uh, hard sell on something that I don't think you've had the time to analyze. And for me then, Justin, I started to see the politics inserted into it. When the lockdowns became selective, I realized this is a scam. Now that's my view that it's a scam. The masks never made sense to me just having read about the Spanish flu um, and having having read uh, you know studies on how masks work and the size of the viral particles. That didn't make any sense. Could you remember a time where there was data that you looked at and said, okay, this, this is so broken that maybe the system is broken. Maybe it's just broken to the core. Was there something like that that just stood out to you where as an analyst, you said, oh, this is so busted. I think the, the key point happened. It was early in the spring and Dr. Fauci was testifying before Congress and he indicated uh, a particular stat we use, we call the CFR, the, the case fatality rate. And he was comparing that to influenza case fatality rates. Now, as happened, chance would have it, two years previously, I found myself in the hospital in 2018 
laid up for two weeks with a, a, a staph infection, that, that natural flora that's on your skin. It gets into your bloodstream, and it knocked me out. And had some time on my hands in the hospital, started reading up on how does this tiny little thing affect my body in such dramatic ways. And virology became kind of a, a side hobby for me. And as I yeah. looked into that, I tried to understand like uh, this thing in terms of a funnel, right? Like in terms of sales and marketing, which is I have certain people that come to my website and then they're interested. They fill out a form and I send them more emails. And eventually they become customers. Now that's a lay sort of uh, analogy as to what we see when it comes to the data of the pandemic. So many people get sick. So many people become hospitalized and so many people die. And what Dr. Fauci was doing is he was saying, well, look, the rate of people dying is you take the people that died here and you compare them to the people that tested positive. And we said, well, that's one stat. But then he said that it was like 1%, he said. And he said uh, that's uh, 10 times higher than the flu. And we're like, well, wait, wait, wait. You're comparing wrong things because the CDC tracks these things and they know that there are a bunch of people who have had the flu that don't even know they had the flu or never bothered to got tested, just kind of went through it and got done with it, right? And we know that's the case for COVID. So there's another layer up here that Dr. Fauci missed. And I remember him testifying in front of Congress. I said, that is going to scare the pants off of everyone who's listening, especially the congressional leaders who are probably a lot of them in the average age of death range, right? In the seventies, eighties, sixties there. And so these people were scared out of their wits because they thought that one out of a hundred people were going to die of this disease. When the, the truth was much, much lower, slightly higher than influenza when you take a look at the whole pandemic. Uh, and even now when you look at the Omicron, Omicron is a, a, almost a factor lower than the fatality rate of influenza. That's where we are with the pandemic now. And so uh, that was, I think, a moment in time when I thought, wow, they, they, really, they really got this wrong. And, and this is where maybe I, I don't know that you and I part company on this. Um, I, maybe I'm just more extreme on some some things, but I don't think it's they got it wrong. And uh, have you heard my it's not chaos theory? I have. I remember okay. reading. Yes. Yes. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's uh, uh, just all the errors go in the wrong direction when they needed covid to appear to be the walking dead. Um, then they made everything scary. And they changed numbers like we're talking about. They used fraudulent testing methodology. We talk so often about the fraudulent, um, you know, uh, PCR cycle thresholds above 35 or returning 98% false positives. Even the, the New York Times admitted that. They didn't create a testing standard, Justin. That's like there's no right. data standard. And they incentivized find COVID, find COVID, find COVID, make everything a COVID case until the magic mRNA injections came along. And at a certain point, they said, stop finding COVID, stop finding COVID. Well, when people had the shot, stop finding COVID. Every so-called error played in the favor of one group, which was big pharma. So to me, it's not chaos because ineptitude gets chaotic results. Do, do you observe chaotic results or do you observe, um, a, let's say, a um, let me put it this way, a, a vector that may indicate um, motive? Yeah, I, I think there, there definitely can be ascribed motive to certain players in the realm here. I will say there's three kind of theories that I have. Um, one is one I try to take as both a Christian and also just for sanity. I tried to think of the kindest interpretation that I have for this. Uh, and I remember, you know, our group, Rational Ground, we were the 
the main uh, data group that was helping Dr. Atlas, Dr. Scott Atlas, when he was an advisor in the White House in the summer and early fall of 2020, trying to right the ship there. And he had no one. So we were providing him all this data. He would ask us for help. Super intelligent, bright guy, very reasonable. And so I put to him, I said, well, you know, Dr. Fauci, Dr. Burt, Dr. Redfield, perhaps the reason that they're not rolling these back in the face of all the data is that my, my kindest interpretation is they're just trying to save face, right? And he looked at me and he said, Justin, no, these folks are dumb. They are dumb. Did you, they are so, dumb. But, and, and, and I think, and he's, and he's yeah. And somebody, I think the third, that's the second interpretation. The third interpretation is I think what you impute, which is not untoward and, and not unfounded, which is there is um, you know a very specific agenda they have for this. Yeah, and and I have uh, here's a, a new theory of mine. Um, it's it's a sandwich scenario. It's the evil sandwich. So <laughs> on top, there's people who knew very very well that we're going to scare the populace. We're going to scare most of all. I think they scared the so-called public health officials. I think they terrified them, and yeah. and um, people who've been born and bred to trust the authorities. In the middle, there are stupid people. Um, and I think that there are people who are functionaries of government um, and, and they just do what they're told. Keep your head down, just do what you're told. Oh, actually, they're on the bottom. In the middle is the middle class, um, not economically, yeah. but, but folks raising their family. And we get squeezed between the evil people on top, the, 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 the do as they're told people in government on the bottom. We get squeezed in the middle. But I, who do you think, now that you analyze this, and you've written about this. Who do you think, if you if you were the lead prosecutor saying it got that far, saying that it did become clear that this was a crime, who would you most want to question? Who would you most want to have on a stand uh, and question? Well, uh, I think there's some second level guys who are just underneath Fauci and underneath Burks and Redfield that I would love to question. These are people that are copied in all the emails. It's the people, for example, when uh, the fir article first came out uh, about this possibly being a, a lab leak uh, and a flurry of emails from FOIA requests, we now that know this, between Dr. Fauci, the director of the NIH, Collins, and a few other people underneath him uh, that he was saying, like he told one of his lieutenants, you need to be by the phone, you need to have your phone on, and I need to talk to you ASAP, right? These are people that are in the know. There's another gentleman, for example, by the name of David Morenz. Uh, David is a longtime co-author with Dr. Fauci going back several decades. In fact, if you go scholar search on Dr. Fauci, you'll see David Morenz is right there, probably writing the paper for a good portion of that. Dr. Fauci, I think, became a figurehead several decades ago. And, and so uh, I think that I would love to question him because at first, when you see the writings maybe two decades ago, he and Dr. Fauci, it was like, wow, this is so frustrating that we can't uh, end these viral pandemics and these uh, respiratory pathogens. And then it moved and moved, started quickly. Their frustration built until all of a sudden they felt free to do what they wanted to do. And in September 2020, they wrote an astounding article for Cell Magazine, a co-authored by both of them. And they went through, and it's actually really instructive as far as the history of infectious disease. But when they got to the interpretive part, and what it means, they talked about how they wanted to bend the will of modernity, how they uh, wanted to do away with uh, some of the, you know, things that we do on the side, like sports games and everything else there, right? Yeah. They, they had real, real intent. 
And then, you know, it's sort of like they became converts slowly over time. Uh, we, I think, you know, it, it used to be that, that we were called conspirators for talking about the Great Reset and the, the World Economic Forum. Uh, you know, it would have been Bilderberg stuff uh, right. 30 years ago in the 90s. But now it's out in the open and they just they, they sell it like it is. They honestly want to take this moment of COVID-19 and use it as a wedge, as a vacuum that they can fill with their naughtiness and the stuff that they want to imp- impute onto us. Oh, and, and I love the way you put that. And I love that you're talking about the layered down uh, people because that's where I try to parse this. And I've had conversations, Justin, and maybe you have too. Uh, and I, I, as we go through and, and talk more about the book, I want to really hear from you what it's like to have the data and show it to people. And they just go, I refuse to look. I will not look upon it. I've had conversations. I had a doctor try to talk me into the injections. And so he said, and this, I, I don't know why the Lord chose my fifties to have me go through surgeries. I've never had any before. I'm, I'm going to have three by the time next year's over. And this doctor was trying to talk me into getting the injections. So first of all, he said, have you been vaccinated? And I said, against what? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, COVID. Oh no. Oh, I really encourage you to do that. Okay. Well, how did they work? And he goes, pardon me? How did the injections work? Oh, well, it introduces an inert piece of the virus. And by inert, I mean dead. I said, yeah, I got that with the word inert. And then it it keys up your body's immune system to fight the active virus. I said, wait, wait. (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. (laughs) Hold on a second. (laughs) Uh, Are are you talking about the Pfizer Moderna? Yeah, I go, I'm sorry. Isn't that how it works? (laughs) Right. I'm sorry, you're not talking here about the nanolipid particles and the induction of gene sequencing that cause your body to produce a spike protein and, or spike proteins. And he goes, if you knew that, why are you asking? I said, well, actually, a better question oh. is, since you knew that, why weren't you telling me that? Yeah. And so I count him as a, a, a guy, he knows, Justin, he knows that's not how these things work. And I think his job was to sell the injections at all costs. But what you said, I don't know if you've ever heard this, because you just described something and it puts a ribbon, Justin, on one of my favorite sound bites. I won't play the whole thing just out of, out of courtesy for your time. I don't know if you've heard this. This is a hmm. group of medical technocrats. Listen to the first phrase here so closely. Why don't we blow the system up? Why don't I mean, we blow the system up? We can't just turn off the spigot on the system we have and then say, hey, everyone in the world should get this new vaccine we haven't given to anyone yet. But there must be some way that we grow vaccines mostly in eggs the way we did in 1947. <laughs> in order to make the transition from getting out of the tried and true egg growing, which we know gives us results that can be, you know, beneficial. I mean, we've done well with that to something that has to be much better. Uh, You have to prove that this works and then you've got to go through all of the clinical trials. But they didn't go through all of the clinical trials. They shortcutted the trials. And that phrase, why don't we blow it up? That's what they did. And in, yeah. I think in the wake of that, uh, and we'll continue to talk with Justin Hartner in a second, but in the wake of that, do you think people on a broad scale will ever trust public health again? It's going to take a long time. They're going to have to get rid of a few of the, the heads of the, the snake there before they ever do. 
And heaven help us if that second layer grows two heads in placement. Oh, man. You, you, you are on it today. I'm going to steal that line. I'm going to be thinking. I don't think yeah. you thought of the, the snake with two heads, but I'm going to steal that line. I want to hear you discuss what it was like to present the data to people and have people say they refuse to look because I have a, um, I have a similar experience also with medical tyranny that I'll share with you because I think this is much bigger than just COVID. We'll talk about that. Mm. Justin Hart's with us. Click on the link in the show notes. It's also on the podcast app to Justin's book, Gone Viral. It's going to be an entertaining and important read. One of the guys who really did help turn this around. In the midst of uh, what is going on in finance right now, uh, there's one guy, well, there's many guys, but there's one guy that we work with, and that is uh, my friend, Zach Abraham at Bulwark Capital Management. Just like Justin, um, years ago, in fact, during the housing crisis that was in- installed, and we've talked about that, um, he was short on housing stocks. He bet against the housing market. And so he was one of those people who saw the madness and he also said, how are people betting that the housing market's going to maintain itself? Now, for about a decade, he's been warning about the zero interest rate you know, world of big finance, of the mobbed up companies and what that means for us and about conjuring monies. Quantitative easing is really just conjuring monies. During COVID, he was detailing the biggest shift in wealth in history, the two illegal purchases of corporate bonds by the Fed at the urging of BlackRock. Okay, this is a guy who tracks what's happening in a mobbed up financial system and he's very pragmatic. It's the system we have. All right, so he stewards money and his focus is risk management. Uh, what I just described to you is an era, has been an era of risk and now we live in a post-truth era. So with this guy stewarding your money with his firm, Bulwark Capital Management, you are best set to come through retirement without a great big hole in the bucket or the canoe or the, depending on the size of your retirement account, maybe in the size of your princess cruise ship, that's your nest egg. It's Bulwark Capital Management, 866-779-RISK. That's 866-779-RISK or go to knowyourriskradio.com. The government would kindly like me to remind you that investment advice can't be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor, representative of Trek Financial LLC, and SEC registered investment advisor. It counts. It counts. I got it in. Uh, nice. Thank you. I'm getting better at that. <laughs> uh, so, what was it like for you uh, as a Christian man, as a man who just you've gone about raising a beautiful and large, and and you've been so blessed uh, with the number of kids that uh, you've been given to steward with your wife. It, and I mean, you're an honest player. You're one of the few honest players that somehow made it out of DC honest. I don't know. That's hard <laughs> to do. You, that's how you and I met. It is, yeah, yeah. What was it like for you to take data to public health officials to say, hey, I think these numbers are skewed and to have them respond the way many of them did, which was um, you are um, orange man bad uh, or you are a hater or you're a, you're a nutcase. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these interactions that we had with people, it was um, uh, health officials, uh, a lot of pundits on Twitter, a lot of people, um, you know, in discussions. A lot of people tried to avoid discussion as much as they could. But when I got in front of county boards, one of the things you quickly realize is that these unelected health directors, I call them, are our health overlords, right? And they uh, they basically uh, are not, you know, the, the, 
the brightest people. They did couldn't make it in the private sector, and so they they got the cushy job. And in in years where there is no pandemic, this is a very cushy job that pays a lot of money, and they're able to to make good hay of it. So the the question is, this was their Super Bowl, right? And and they pictured themselves right as like Dustin Hoffman in that one movie where he's trying to chase down the monkey. Yeah. When in actuality, their true character is kind of that of the EPA guy in Ghostbusters, <laughs> who's so snobby, yeah. right? And he goes and he shuts down the grid, and all the chaos happens. That's what they truly. That's truly what happened. And and, and so I think you know again coming back to some of the the numbers that I saw as far as people goes, I think about 20% of people were in our camp by the time the first year had passed on COVID, right? Or at least through the fall of 2020 and their kids weren't going back to school. It was crazy, right? And so I think there were about 20% of people as we call them team reality. There was equally though, another 20% or more on team, what we call team apocalypse. The people that were like, the sky is falling yeah. and every, uh, every variant is going to be the worst. But there was another 60% of people in between that, um, God bless them, you know, your neighbors, your friends and family who wouldn't want to engage with you kind of shy the eye because they, they really didn't want to get in the fight and they knew it was a fight, right? Because they'd see us fight. And so uh, that's my kindest interpretation of it. Yeah. I think a lot of those people now have kind of come into our camp and are realizing, I wish I had stood up, right? Oh, Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm I'm watching with great amusement Lena Wen. You remember her, uh, the former yeah. abortionist, yeah. Um, who is at CNN. She she was a person who said, "I want you to make life difficult for the so-called unvaccinated. I want don't let them leave their house. Don't let them go to restaurants. You need to crack down and make life difficult." She's now out with a piece explaining, and I love how this is being uh, spoken about in the in the Mockingbird media. Um, they say former COVID hardliner, Dr. Lena Wen says masks and they put scare quotes harmed her children. Right. That's what she right. says. But prior to this, her words were factual. I mean, it was, yeah. they, they were stated as fact, but they Crazy. complete with the italicized scare quotes harmed. I'm watching the Jersey changing and people are stripping off that, that team apocalypse jersey, and they're trying so hard to circle back and say, oh, well, uh, who could have known? But what do you think was the, the major shift that brought people to our side in Team Reality? Because I was in Team Reality too. And what, if you were to put it down to one event, or maybe it's one you know, chunk of data you produced, one video, what do you think had the biggest effect of, of drawing the unconvinced over to team reality? I think it probably was the kids, right? Like we're adults. Yeah. They, they, they put some untoward harm on this. It was very political. We'll fight back with political power. But when you, when you come after my kids and you took away two years of their life, right? I think anyone who's a parent realizes very quickly the tide has changed. When you see people that are that are Democrats that are quickly becoming Team Reality Republicans, their change happened because they thought their party and the people that they allied to, the people in their, um, you know, in their in their allies, that they they thought they were there to protect their kids. But come turns out that's not the case at all. Now, in the case of Leanna Wen, you're right. I mean, we could power a thousand suns with that sort of gaslighting that she put out there, right? right. And she she was definitely in that camp. Now, the way I interpret it is this. 
Leanna, we welcome you to Team Reality. We're glad you see our way now. Um, we welcome you. Uh, but I hope you never, ever have an ounce of influence on in public policy again. And that's where it has to be. If they want to come over to Team Reality and accept something that we've been saying for two years, that's great. We welcome them. We think that people can change their mind as Christians. We can make that forgiveness. But in terms of uh, uh, trust and verify, I want her never to have a single ounce of influence over public policy again. They have they have basically forfeited that right. Uh, agreed. And, and as Christians, um, you know, repentance means something, right? It doesn't. Right. It doesn't mean. Oops, my bad. Uh, right. it, I, here's what I would want to see. And yes, I will pray, um, that the Lord draws her to himself through the Lord Jesus. I hope that he does that uh, because that's our charge as Christians, as discipled men. Repentance would mean that she would need to truly assess what she did. And this is now you're seeing these articles too. The, the dribble, dribble, oh, maybe the lockdowns weren't great. And I worked with a guy in radio who is perhaps one of the longest running, most successful uh, news type voices on the West Coast and, and still does a nationally syndicated uh, uh, kind of a quick hit thing. And I, I remember he stayed in his home for two years. Now, God bless mm-hmm. him. He, 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 lived, he lived the life. He grew this long beard. Um, he's... Honestly, one of the reasons I'm in radio, he's a great storyteller, but he became a crazy man. And I remember having a discussion with him about the Great Barrington Declaration. Um, and we were having a team call. And, and again, blessings to my former boss, Kathy, who was really, really working hard to try to uh, get hosts to come together, which is never going to happen. But she's really trying hard out of a good place in her heart. And I said... What does everybody think about the Great Barrington Declaration? And this guy is, is, is Johnny News. Hmm. And he's blank-faced. He has no idea. Yeah. And he goes, well, I think one of the reasons your show has done so well is that you're willing to embrace uh, conspiracy theory. And I said, well, what are my conspiracies? <laughs> well, things like the Great Barrington Declaration. What is it? He does this. Type, 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 search Google, Google, right, yeah. Wikipedia. Yeah. He, he, Justin, he had no idea. Well, yeah. uh, these are French scientists. I said, Dave, you're reading their Wikipedia page. I, I'm watching you. You're reading their, but, but let me, let me give you the payoff. I said, yeah. I just had one of their founders on and you introduced me, Justin Hart. You introduced me to the great Barrington declaration. We had just had one of their founders on. And I said, have you listened to the interview? Oh, well, yeah. all, all these excuses. He was terrified. You know what he was terrified yeah. of? You know, it was being confronted with what you're doing. And so for Lena and the other people who push these lockdowns, I would need to see repentance from them for the major harm they've done. You've done the data. What do you think is going to prove to be the worst part of the lockdowns for our children? It'll be the class action lawsuits about two or three years from now uh, with the vaccines. I mean, it'll like methylcellioma and asbestos like child's play. I mean, just on the fact of something that we know is factual, which is the off cycle of the menses for a woman, right? That I, I know a couple who conceived a child 
They were using the timing method. They're very glad to have the child. They, they were going to wait another year, but at the same time, she had to get the vax for it because she traveled internationally and threw it off and wow, there you go. <laughs> There's a child, right? And so these things will have impact. Now, again, I think for a lot of people, the most difficult part for them to come over, and again, it's a kind interpretation, which is it's so hard to swallow the fact that we sacrificed so much for so little. There was an article that was really interesting, 1918, 1990, right after the 1918 pandemic, and a doctor was commenting on masks. And I had this line, it said, the American people are perfectly willing to do whatever it takes for some good, but they greatly dislike finding out later that it was for nothing, right? And, and I think that's the whole thing. People really, it's, it's, it's hard to say and come out and say, wow, that really sucked. Like, you know, Governor Hochul the other day, and just minds blown when she gets up to the stand and she says, wow, keeping kids at home and learning remotely, wow, that was a mistake. It's like, <laughs> yes. you think? Well, you yeah. think, right? You, you just <laughs> put up a video um, that we've run on the show a couple of times that you found this great interview of Fauci on uh, on Fox. And he always runs to Neil Cavuto when he's on Fox. <laughs> and Fauci said, well, I mean, Neil, let's, let's make something very clear. I, I didn't. I didn't lock down anything, and then then you you put this 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 montage together of Fauci saying, if we could just lock the entire country down. I mean, not not strip clubs and and pawn shops and pot shops and you know abortionists, but like the kids in the stinking churches. We could get. I mean, he didn't say it exactly <laughs> right, that way, right? But but right. There, there, it's like a two and a half minutes of him talking about the lockdowns and you mentioned the injections this this one this one hits home for me and we'll wrap things up in the next uh, little segment here with Justin Hart this hits home to me um, given something else uh, that I was part of with the medical tyrannical complex and I would like to offer it to you as a comparison to what we're seeing now with the injections you mentioned the menstrual cycles I'm looking at a 26 time Death, uh, death of surgeons and, and, and doctors in Canada, 26x the average. All of them injected. Talk about that in a second. Uh, I am, man, I'm, this is so cool. Uh, my friend, Tim Cruikshank, who is the founder and CEO of Bonefrog Coffee's coming to the high mountains of free America. Uh, 25 year Navy veteran. He is a Navy SEAL. And man, there's a backstory to Bonefrog. I, when Tim's here, I hope I can get him to tell it for you. Uh, Bonefrog was founded because Tim wanted to make a bunch of money, ethically. And he wanted to honor his brothers. Uh, so Bonefrog Coffee does, it honors Navy SEALs. The, the Bone Frog is the iconic um, logo, image for fallen seals. So proceeds from sales of the coffee, the Bone Frog Medium Roast, the Bone uh, the Frogman Dark Roast, the Sons of Valor Medium Dark Zen Frog Light Roast, they give some of the proceeds to the families of fallen seals. It's available in KCAP and, and all the sorts of uh, roasts, et cetera. But the other thing that Tim wanted to do was hire vets, work with companies who hire veterans and give his, his family a foundation, right? Because that's what we want to do for our family. It's bonefrog.us. I saw him speak to our group in, uh, in Bothell uh, this past summer. And at one point I asked people to raise their hands if they had been in combat. And, and I saw Tim raise his hand and I saw the look in his eyes. Uh, this is not an act. 
bonefrog.us honoring the seals. It's not an act. You don't, you don't cry like that when it's an act. Uh, the coffee is absolutely dynamic. Dave Stewart is a legend in coffee. He helps start Seattle's best coffee. He, in fact, creates some of the roasts for Bonefrog and consults on the other. It's important that you use the .us. That way Tim knows that we're doing our job and I know that he's paying me. It's bonefrog.us. Justin Hart's with us. Do click on the link, pre-order the book. It's an important read. Uh, Justin, I know I've taken a lot of your time, so we'll wrap this here, but I want to present you with something. No, it's fine. Yeah. My friend and former colleague uh, in the separate country of Seattle within the separate country of Washington State (laughs) did a public document request for the University of Washington several Mm. months ago. Uh, a piece was being pimped, hard pimped by uh, King 5 News, NBC affiliate in Seattle, horrible television station. And it indicated that kids who got wrong sex hormones, um, uh, 13, 14 years old, man, their depression and anxiety, their suicidal intent, vanished, vanished. (laughs) I read the press release and I read the abstract of the paper. And having read the abstract, I said, this is trash. They followed the kids for three months. That's the halo huh. period. That's the honeymoon period. That's, right. that's when people think, oh, I'm going to be okay. And then it was self-reported. And then a bunch of kids dropped out of the study. Jess Single, who's tracked the, the lie of transgenderism now for, for almost a decade, which has right. cost him dearly. He read the numbers. He did what you do. And he came back and said, what their conclusion is exactly the opposite of what their numbers show. Their numbers show just the opposite. It got worse for kids. Jason Rance, uh, former colleague and friend of mine, he did a public document request. Justin, the UW knew that. Wow. Children's Hospital knew that. And they said, should we correct ourselves? Nah. (laughs) Nah. We're not going to. We're not going to correct ourselves. Why? Number one, it was getting good press. Number two, it was only conservative outlets that were discussing the downside. Only, only conservative outlets criticizing this. I, on, the, on behalf of, in, in this past eight, eight years, on behalf of maybe 60 families, had huh. spent eight years trying to get the story told about medical kidnapping, gender jacking of their kids, autistic yeah six-year-olds, seven-year-olds in Portland being coached by teachers to say, hey, y- y- you don't have autism. You- you're a girl in a body, in, a, in the body of a boy. Oh my six-year-old, gosh. and a six-year-old, seven-year-old autistic kid going back and saying, hey, mom, I'm not autistic. I'm a girl. So we've been trying to get the story told and thank the Lord Almighty that it's being told by people with more influence than me, Matt Walsh, obviously. Um, but what Jess Single said was it is so important to note that one of the excuses of UW and children's was only conservatives are talking about this. Therefore, we don't need to reply. Does any of that ring a bell to you? Uh, <laughs> Legit. It, it, <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. In this whole thing, it's been, you know, look, the vaccines are kind of the third rail of a lot of health politics intersection, right? I, I remember early on uh, when we were talking overseas to some of our, our groups there, and they were like, why are you guys, you know, not going hard enough on these vaccines? And we said, because immediately you're branded in this specific way. And so it was, um, you know, the Overton window, as you like to say, of, of, of this thing was, was not open and still isn't in many ways. Um, but you see that where all of a sudden 
because of the opposition. I mean, literally, I think a good portion of people are still drubbing out uh, the the uh, the masks and everything else because Trump was against them, right? Right. And other people are against them, and so it became um, this ritualistic, automatic magnet uh, uh, pusher, right? That they just I'm going to go the opposite direction of whatever that charge is, and they they can't help themselves. That's what they do, and they just they can't pull themselves out of that that spiral. And you mentioned this this third rail. That was definitely my experience. I mean, I got a lot of talkings to about the injections, right? You can't go out saying these things don't work. You cannot get on our air and say, these don't stop transmission or infection. And I said, have you read the SEC filings? Pardon? Yeah, the SEC filings. No. Oh, well, you should because they say these don't stop transmission or infection. Right, right. Right, and so what would you like people to know what would you like listeners who like look they live lives they start businesses they sell businesses they raise kids they're retired what would you like them to know most of all about your experience and how they can help contribute to making sure stuff like this never ever happens again because certainly you've learned a bunch from data analyst and father and, and great you know, business analyst to author, and I think you're going to be a best-selling author. What have you learned that you want um, my listeners and this podcast family to understand about how they too um, can help crack this stuff? Because Justin, I really do believe your work helped bring this down. Well, thank you for that. And it was the work of hundreds of people behind the scenes. But I think um, in the end, I would say, know what you stand for and stand up for it. I know a lot of Americans feel incredibly deeply about the core rights that they have as citizens of this great country. And if we had only taken that regard, you're going to sit down my church? No, that's not going to happen. I have a right to that. I have the right to pursue happiness for my family. My kids deserve a good education. I'm going to stand up for that and not be afraid to stick your neck out. I think that's the big problem. It was very, very cautious. And, you know, you think about our kids now in college, okay? And I think about this, how my parents in the 60s, right, and our parents growing up, they were rebellious types sometimes in those colleges, right? They went right against the man. But now the college kids, and I've seen this firsthand with my own kids, that they're the ones who are replete in following the orders. And part of what does that is if they dare to stick their necks out, they are chopped off. And so parents need to step up and understand that you need to put your necks on the line for these rights because the next time they won't ask politely. I guarantee you, Dr. Fauci and the majority of the media would be the first people in line to weld you inside your apartment or your home and make sure you never come out. They would absolutely do that CCP China style, weld you inside your home until the virus and threat is over or until you die. They wouldn't hesitate, for instance. They, they burn their hands off because they, right. they don't know how to use a welding torch, <laughs> but that's, but they'd be first in line to do it. That's so. for the, the, like, get me a deplorable who knows how to use a torch, right? Right, right, right. exactly. Well, was, well, you locked them all away. Uh, let one out. Uh, yeah. 
Um, look, when I when I walked away from um, the Lord had gifted us with a, a decade of market dominance uh, in radio, everybody knows, and I probably talk about it too much, uh, about the um, eight years of filling in for uh, for the Maha Rush, God rest him. Uh, when I walked away from that, it came at a cost. It came at a pretty significant economic cost. Now, part of that was I deeply did think I could go be a pastor. Now I know I need to build 10 years of spiritual maturity before I could think of such a thing. Um, but also because I did not want to be held back by the coming wave of speech codes and talk radio. And folks, I'm here to tell you there are speech codes mm. and talk radio. There are things your favorite hosts cannot say. They cannot mm. say fake news. They cannot say the election was rigged. They cannot say the media is corrupt. Um, they cannot say the vaccines will kill you or that they kill people. They cannot report on the deaths from the vaccines, so-called vaccines. They're not vaccines. That stuff exists. And it came at an economic cost. And you know what the Lord tells us? Um, you act on my behalf, in, uh, under my word, that you're serving me. What you lose in that process will be made up seven times. And through the partnerships and frankly, the podcast family, folks listening to us, Justin, through the partnerships here, that's come true. I mean, doing the podcast at the level we do is not a cost-free endeavor by a long shot, um, but that has come true. So I would tell people that act in the full armor of God, put on the light of Christ and know that he is with you <laughs> when you're driving away from the job you quit because the next time they come along and say well it's not masks this time but we need you to ingest this that is you're driving away from work saying no i'm not going to ingest a mystery substance know that the lord jesus is, is sitting right next to you in the car going well done well done. yeah that's truth. well spoken you'll go your the shield of faith is there with you you're going to have to use that in the coming years but i guarantee you that sword is also going to be there, folks, and you're going to need that word to do it. So yeah. I like that you brought up the sword. All right. This link is in the podcast notes. Uh, I hope that you'll come back. You know that anytime you want, you just pop an email and you come on, right? You're amazing. I will. I will absolutely take advantage of that. Thank you, Todd. All right. We love you lots. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Love you too. Justin Hart, my friend, the book link is in the show notes. Um, do click on it. Get on the pre-order list. We'll see if we can't get Justin out to an event someday. This is the Todd Herman Show. Now, please, please go be well, be strong, be kind, and be aware that we don't come from a position of hoping we'll win, right? When we stand with Christ Jesus, we've won. He knows the ending. We've won. 